Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. Here we are, week four of the podcast, and we are continuing right along with our study in 1 Corinthians, uh, finishing up the introduction uh, today, and then we'll be hopefully diving into the rest of the, the main part of the, of the text next uh, next week. And i got some music stuff coming up later in the podcast. I wanted to share about that and some music that's uh, actually inspired and based on part of here, what we'll read today from 1 Corinthians but again, to get us our context, help us understand the flow of thought, let's, let's begin reading back at the very beginning, it's verse 1. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. Justice. That in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, again, continuing on to look with these verses and to, and to see that, that Paul is continuing on this idea of sanctification. We talked last week about how uh, in the Greek it shows that, which as some English translations show too, that this we were declared saints through the righteousness of Christ, through His holiness at the moment we believed. And in this portion of the introduction, these last few verses, Paul speaks specifically about this journey of sanctification, how we grow in Christ now as we await the final act of salvation when we are finally taken home. And we, we see this in a few ways. And uh, we are growing in Him now. And verse 5, yeah, five speaks about us being in, enriched in Christ, uh, the Corinthians and, and us, in speech and knowledge. It, it's interesting to think about what does it mean to be enriched in speech in Christ? Excuse me. Uh, it's more than just uh, avoiding certain things. It's actually choosing to say certain things. Ephesians 4, 29 is a cross-reference that says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear you know, when we often think about sanctified or holy speech or God-honoring speech, we kind of equate that with the negative sense of no cussing or no crude jokes or things like that. Just abstain from those things and we're okay. But we're actually given a higher call, 
a call to choose to speak things that build each other up, things that are, are full of grace. A Colossians 4.6 is another cross-reference that speaks to that, how we are, our speech is supposed to be with grace. And the, the goal, as Ephesians 4 reminded us, uh, is building each other up. That this is what we have to strive for. To strive for. Uh, Galatians 5.15 is kind of a reverse of that, in the sense where Paul says, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And bite and devouring there being metaphorical for the backbiting or gossip or putting each other down. And what is interesting about that verse, about Galatians, was that Paul did not write this to a single congregation. Yeah, unfortunately, even in a, in a local church, there can be those types of conversations. There can be these little groups or side conversations where we put each other down, where we uh, tear down some of those work, we criticize. There's this division that is there. But Paul was saying even across congregations, other believers, we're not supposed to be putting each other down. Yeah, we, we may not agree with everything other believers are doing, and that's okay. But we don't need to be putting each other down, uh, criticizing, uh, have a spirit of bitterness or anger, and using our words to tear down. Instead, we ought to be building up, to be encouraging one another, to, to, to build each other up, have, have our speech with grace, as these passages say. To think of the idea, uh, as it says here, to be in, that we are enriched in Christ. And again, that, that important phrase, as we talked about last, last week, uh, enriched in, in, in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, in Him. That it is all about the Lord Jesus we rely upon him, not our own ideas. There's not a formula for this is what enriched holy speech is, and you use these certain words or these certain phrases. That's not all there is to it. It's more of a mindset and how we choose to use our words to sh be gracious to one another, to share about grace, to build one another up, that we intentionally choose to use that. And that our, our goal is to be growing in Christ, in increasing in this, more and more, not only just in our speech, but in our knowledge of God, of what is true, what is holy, what is lovely. And look at Philippians 4, 8. That's a, a beautiful, a great passage, a great verse about things we ought to think on. And we should let those, we should, we should be growing in the knowledge of those things and letting those come out in our speech. And what is, as we think about this growth now in our lives and what is spoken here in this text is that in a way, our growth in Christ is a validation in a way or a proof that we do belong to the Lord Jesus. We want to be careful that we don't look at each other and judge one another and saying, oh, I don't see enough fruit, so they, don't, they must not belong to the Lord Jesus. We're not called to judge like that. We are called to evaluate and to be cautious, especially when it comes to teachers or people that we allow to be placed into a leadership position. Stuff, but we can't fully see the heart. But we need to be. But there is a principle that our fruit does show that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Himself said this in John fifteen eight. He was speaking to the disciples on the night of His betrayal, and He said, "My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples." He didn't say that we would become His disciples if we bore enough fruit, but it would it would prove that we were His disciples, or would validate. Or authenticate that, and the, the demonstr and there's two ways here in this text and for that we read that this growth or this validation is is shown. 
The first is through the, the exercise or the use of spiritual gifts. We see both these in verse, in verse 7, where it says, So that you are not lacking in any gift. That, that is, that's the first one. That, that Paul will have a lot more to say about spiritual gifts later in 1 Corinthians in chapters 12 through 14. And looking at that, how the, the right exercise of those gifts. But yielding to the Holy Spirit, letting Him direct us to guide us, and that we, we use those gifts that He has given us for the building up of the church, not the exalting of ourselves or our own agenda. It's to build up the church for the glory of God as He directs. That's how we ought to use our spiritual gifts. And Paul will go into great detail about that. We often think about 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter, and it is. It's often used in, in weddings and that type of a context. But really, if you look at what Paul was saying there in chapters 12 and 14, which are which flank it, which are carries all the discussion, it's all about spiritual gifts. Paul is speaking about the love there among brethren within a local church, a congregation, the, the motivation for how we use our spiritual gifts to build one another up, that, the, that using our gifts and growing in that yielding more and more to the spirit is one way that we grow in Christ. That is one way that we are, that we are growing. The other proof here in verse seven, it says that we are awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That this is something we ought to seek for it all throughout the new Testament. We see this desire for the Lord to return for the Lord to come and take us home. That we experience many of the blessings of salvation now, but there are so many more to come when he comes back. Uh, that it says, uh, he, Paul says that this is our blessed hope in Titus 2.13. Uh, in Philippians 3.20, it says that we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That this idea of this, this eager expectation and looking forward to Christ's glory, when he comes back, when he sets up his kingdom to reign here upon the earth, that we don't get too comfortable here. This, uh, I really enjoy a lot of bluegrass or old gospel tunes, and there's one that I love. I especially love the way Ricky Skaggs uh, does the song. It's, this world's not my home. It's also known as, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. It goes by both names. But just this idea of, this is not where we ultimately are made to, to be, that this is only a place we're staying for a time. Christ is coming back and we will dwell in the kingdom with him forever. And we look forward to that for Christ to come back in all his glory and for him to be set up as the rightful king. And we look forward to that day when his glory will be revealed to the world. And that should be our expectation. And as we grow in Christ, we should long for that more and more and be looking forward to that. But now, even as we wait for that day, we are not left alone. It says here in, in the in verse in, in these verses that um, that he will confer in verse eight. It's speaking of Jesus. It says, "Who will also confirm you to the end that Jesus is the one who is working in us and, and growing in us, but we have to yield to the Spirit and to be and to submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ." The word "confirmed" there it has the idea of authenticating or proving true. It's sometimes translated established. Hebrews 13 it, uh, verse 9 is an example of where it's, it's translated strengthened. 
talks about the hearts being strengthened by grace. But the idea of showing to be true is uh, the, how it is often used. And so what it shows is that Jesus is working through us. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we are growing in Christ, that the evidence that we belong to him will be demonstrated in our life. It's not something we have to manufacture or try to put up a front. The Lord will demonstrate that in our lives and carry that out. And just speaking of the word confirmed there, it's used also there in verse 6 as we read. I did a quick word study on this word. It's not a whole lot of instances in the New Testament this word is used, but it can give us a good example of how to do a word study. When we come across this word, like I was studying this, this passage here, I was looking at verse 8, and I was like, what does it mean that we will be confirmed by Christ? What, what does this mean? And so I began to, to do a word study. What you would do, a way to do that is to use a website such as BibleStudyTools.com or a Blue Letter Bible, and to go to that particular passage, and then you'll click on a word or hover over it, and it'll give you the Strong's number. And you can look that up in a, in a Strong's Concordance or Blue Letter Bible. We'll have a link there to the definition in other places. And we can see the definition that Strong's gives and other commentators have given. But then there will also be a list in the commentary of all the instances of that word in the New Testament. And what you do is, it may be a little bit tedious, but for each of those instances, you would look at that verse with a little bit before, a little bit after it, so you understand the context of what's going on. And we try to see how is that word used there. Not just how is it translated, but what is the, the idea or the thought that is being carried by that word based on its particular context in that instance. And then you make a note of that down in a journal or on a word doc or, or a, a document on the computer. And you just do that for all the instances. And so it may take a period of a day or two or maybe even longer, depending on how many instances of the, the word is used. But then when you have done that, you really understand the full impact of that word. It doesn't mean that every nuance of the word is applied in every situation, but you do see the range of meaning. And then when you come to a passage like this, you can take that knowledge and really apply it and see more of how was Paul meaning us to take this word in this context. And it's, it can be really helpful to dig down into, the, into maybe some of the more nuances that are there digging down a little bit deeper than just the surface level of our study. So just want to real quickly share about doing a word study there using that word confirmed in verse 8. But continue on, it talks about how we will be confirmed in him, blameless until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blameless doesn't mean that we achieve sinless perfection. It means that we are clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has declared us blameless. It's just a marvelous gift that he has given. And it's all because of him, not because of our own efforts. And we do have to fight against sin, against the flesh, against the world. But our righteousness is, isn't really isn't our own. It's been given to us by Christ. And we stand redeemed because of him. We stand in that righteousness. And that he will carry us to the end, to the day when he does come back. That's what the, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ refers to. And in verse 9 there, I love verse 9. It says that God is faithful. That this That's the reason why we can have confidence that Christ will carry us to the end. That he will confirm us. He will perform his words because God is faithful. We can have assurance of that. And that he does not change. 
and we can we can stand firm resting upon this promise knowing that Christ will take us home he is coming back and he will take us to be with him but that, that verse 9 there it says that God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our lord and that he didn't just save us and leave us alone but he he called us into fellowship with Jesus this close personal relationship with him it's something we we all need to grow we all can grow in is developing this deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus to to learn what it means to abide with him to dwell with him to to have fellowship with him something I'm trying to work more on and learning all that there is to that and just a marvelous gift that this is given it, and Paul is is reminding the Corinthians of this and he's reminding us of this and when we stop and consider what God is doing us that he is he is growing us he is going to carry us to the end he has caused us into fellowship with himself. It, it really gives us the right perspective. It brings an element of humility to our lives that may have been lacking beforehand. Uh, the Corinthians seem to struggle with this, and uh, a lot of times we can as well. And so it, it's important for us to stop and consider and to, to delve into the text and what the scripture is saying, not just pass over it, oh, I've read this before, uh, I've seen this. Take some time, really slow down, try to think, how does this all this fit together? What is the emphasis that's being made? Maybe take some time to do a word study. It, Like I said, it may seem tedious at first, but it, it can be really insightful for a deeper study to take the time to be able to really do this. And so I would encourage you to, as you study passages, there's a word that really stands out to you or a word that you're not quite sure why it's set there like, that, like it is, but to take the time look up the Strong's number and look up the different occurrences of that and to see the full range and full meaning of the of the word. It's one way we can grow deeper in our knowledge of Scripture and what God has, is showing us. So that's the, the introduction there to 1 Corinthians, those first nine verses. And we'll see next week, a Lord willing, we'll see how that moves right into the heart of the letter and how Paul jumps right in after this and takes these theological concepts that he has given us already already set out in the introduction and applies them to the issue of unity in the local church. The book I want to talk about today is A Cross to Kill by Andrew Huff. I really enjoyed this clean, suspenseful thriller. It took me a minute to kind of get into it, to get to the genre. It wasn't something I'm entirely used to, but it did keep me intrigued through it. Had, I feel like it had a good storyline. Definitely was filled with action think of it i guess the best way i can describe it is jason Bourne meets mission impossible but in a cleaned up christian uh way uh it's uh had some of kind of the x intelligence agency elements to the um jason Bourne thing and then but then some of the action was along more the lines of a mission impossible but no cussing in it it was clean the the opening and the closing of the book really tied together really well not gonna give any more details than that i think it was i think it was a worthwhile read i really i enjoyed it it set it up good for a series and i did enjoy the rest of the series there's three books in the shepherd suspense series which is what this the first one is um it's a it's a good example of how we can have christian books that have action that are these sus suspenseful thrillers that are fun. It was, it was a good, lighthearted read. Uh, I enjoyed it. 
I'd recommend it. I enjoy the rest of the series. And in the, the coming weeks uh, here on the podcast, I'll be sharing more details of each of those. But basically, the premise of the story is this main character, John Cross. He has uh, left the intelligence agency. Um, he's been convicted about the use of, of force in terms of weapons, of, of shooting to kill. So he makes a vow not to do that. But he keeps getting roped back into some of these missions and stuff. And he ends up having to go and, and rescue this particular character and that just sets off a whole chain of events of chases and uh possible explosions and you know then the big firestorm there at the end it was it was definitely uh suspenseful had, had a lot of action it was good again the book is called a cross to kill it's by andrew huff and it's the first book of the shepherd suspense uh series it's what i recommend it was again it was clean it's a good christian read of an action thriller and uh I look forward to sharing more about the other books in the series in the coming weeks. One of the amazing things about music is that it sticks with us for so long. The The lyrics are just impressed upon our hearts and our minds, and they can they stay with us throughout the day. And even sometimes we'll get a, a song stuck in my head, and it'll be in there for, for days or even a week or more. And so it's important for us to, to make sure that we're choosing wise music. And I really do appreciate songs that are set to music, and I've started... Uh, scripture passages are set to music excuse me as I've started to do some of that reflected on some verses or a passage or even a theme of scripture and using that in music and one that uh, I wrote a little while ago that was based on part of this passage here from 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1 9 there about the faithfulness of God there are a few places in scripture where there is the phrase God is faithful or there's a or a similar uh, structure of that but what a promise. And so I composed those and arranged those into uh, a song with a little bit of a melody. But, um, so it's called You Alone Are Faithful. So. My God, you are faithful. You called us by your mind into sweet fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. My God, you are faithful in every temptation I face. You said that you'll always provide a way of escape by grace. For you alone are faithful, every word you spoke will come, and we'll stand on the shore confidence until By every part until our Lord we greet. My God, you are faithful. Save and protect in this fight as we war against the enemy and seek to share your light. For you alone are faithful. Every word you spoke will come. Stand on the shore, confidence, until you bring us home. My God, you are faithful. We ask for the strength you give as we hold fast our confession that through Jesus.
Jesus Christ you forgive, my God you are faithful. So often we have failed, yet you freely offer forgiveness, for the blood of Jesus prevails. For you alone are faithful, every word you spoke will come. Stand on this shore, confidence, until you bring us home, until you bring us home. Just setting those verses of scripture to, to music, and there are groups out there that do this now. Uh, Michael Carr is a artist who does this, who sets some scripture to music. Alive is a song by Big Daddy Weave, which is based on the first part of Ephesians 2 there, especially the chorus. The chorus is where you really see that. It's a really song of the celebration of the salvation that, that Christ has given us, that, that God has brought about. Keith and Christian Getty do this with some of their songwriters with some of the Psalms. They are inspired by a thought in Scripture or a passage of Scripture. And some are closer, almost word for word. Others are more based upon, like I said, the concept, the thought behind it. And uh, I was working on a sermon, getting ready for this Sunday, is reminded about the, the new covenant that's in Jeremiah 31. And there's a song that I wrote about that. It's called, uh, This is the Covenant. Oh, behold, days are coming. The Lord our God does tell. When I will make a covenant with the house of Israel, not like the one that I made with their fathers in a land of sand, my covenant which they broke, though I love them like a but this is the covenant I will make, declares the Lord Almighty. For I will forgive all their iniquity, and they shall all know me. In that day no more will they call every I will put my own Holy Spirit in the hearts of those I have known. For this is the covenant I will make, declares the Lord Almighty. For I will forgive all their iniquity, and they shall all sun, moon, and stars, in their courses will remain, that I swear by myself, says the Lord, that it
song or melody to be able to in your head so to, to do it just start singing a passage of scripture it may not be the most melodic or uh, the most rhythmical or even um or it doesn't have necessarily have to have rhyme but just singing uh, as a way to impress the, the thoughts of scripture the words of scripture upon our hearts more and even just as you as you're meditating upon the words of scripture i encourage you to, to do that just kind of kind of sing it out there I feel like it's a way that we can draw closer to the Lord and impress the truths of His Word upon our hearts. And like I said, there's um, even just taking uh, a concept in Scripture and meditating upon that, and that can turn into a song. And um, this is the last a song that I'll do is what the most recent one that I wrote. It's um, uh, what is reflecting upon the fact that. God, God's grace, His salvation that He has given us is all because of who He is, not because of who we are, what we have done. And so I've called such abundant grace. Why did you choose me and call me for your own? There's nothing I can offer but give myself to you alone. There is nothing that's in me and my flesh I'm very low there is nothing in me worthy of this kindness you have shown but I know you are love and I know you full of grace it's because of But God, all oh, those words that had changed the course of all, for you sent your only Son to redeem us from Adam's fall. And I know you are love, and I know your rich grace. It's because of who such abundant grace. Father, you're the one who calls and beckons me, and you're the one who gives the very faith by which I believe. So the only reason why your grace has reached so far is nothing at all about me it's all 
all because of who you are. For I know you are love, and I know your rich and grace. It's because of who you are that you show such abundant grace. And I know you are love. So just I encourage you this week, as you're looking at scripture and meditating, think upon it, to just just sing something. To just even to yourself, just impress the words of scripture upon yourself more deeply that way. Uh, search out songs that are based upon scripture, either as close to word for word as they can, or just based on theological concept. Uh, Forever by Sure is another group that does some of this as well, but they're out there. I encourage you to check them out and to use that and to, to sing these songs. Because the Lord is worthy to be praised, and using His Word to praise Him back is a beautiful way to do that. So, uh, appreciate listening to the podcast this week, and until uh, next time, uh, read the Word and take your stand. This has been Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode, and if you enjoy what you heard here, we ask that you would leave us a good review on your favorite podcast platform. Tell others about the podcast and check out our website at hisministries.com. Scripture quotations have been from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1971-1995 by the Lachlan Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved.